Welcome to the Kumbaya Podcast, the whole woman's resource. I am Dr. Amanda Shipley, a pelvic physical therapist who is passionate about prevention and supporting women along their holistic health journey. Today, I am speaking with Jill Wiener of Conscious Health Meditation in Kirkwood, Atlanta. This is a great episode to check out if you have ever wondered if meditation would be good for you. Jill is a physician by trade who now teaches Vedic meditation. She tells us how Vedic is different from other types of meditation and why meditation is so beneficial for both adults and children. Jill shares with us the impact of a daily meditation practice on her life and how we can all see these profound improvements. Visit me at kumbayalpodcast.com if you want to check out the show notes for this episode. We will have links to Jill's website and the resources she refers to. And I would love to hear from you. You can email your questions, your comments, or any ideas for future episodes to hello at kumbayalpodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Jill. I am so excited to have you here today on the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is so much fun. So could we start with you telling us your story or sharing your story with us? Sure. Um, I'll give you the the five-second version. Um, I am a, uh, I practiced medicine, uh, internal medicine for 10 years and about six years, five years into my practice uh, in Chicago, I got really, really burnt out and met someone who told me they meditated uh, 20 minutes twice a day. And I was like, what? That sounds cool. Tell me all about it. And learned to meditate two days later from his teacher who happened to be in town um, and went from zero to 60 from like no interest in like ever, you know, never even thinking about meditation to all of a sudden I'm practicing 20 minutes twice a day easily and loving it. And then a couple years later, decided to become a teacher. And that took a couple years to work out. Mm -hmm. And then went to India for three months to do my teacher training. And then moved back home to Atlanta, which is where I grew up. Wow. Now, when you said, say, burn out, what does that mean? Like, can can you describe to us like how you knew like, okay, I I need a change or? Right? Yeah, that's, um, that was, it was uh, ugly. Um, (laughs) 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 I, um, So I was basically at a point where any little thing would set me off. So one thing would go wrong, quote unquote wrong, um, or against my expectations. And I would start crying um, or I would just like have to get up and leave work. Um, Not in front of my patients, not in front of my students and my trainees, but like once the, the patient care was over and I was back in my office, uh, you know, doing my charting and stuff on the computer any little thing. And I just like couldn't handle it. And I, I considered taking, I considered changing jobs. Um, I considered taking a year off of work, um, and ultimately decided to take three months off of work. But I did that the following summer because our schedules were done a year in advance, the wow. academic year, July to July. Mm-hmm. And this was October. So I was like, or maybe it was August. And I was like, if I, I knew that I would be making life miserable for a lot of people if I took three months off in the middle of the year because they'd have to cover for me. So like a good, a good little doctor (laughs) culture person, you know, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll just deal with it for nine months. But once I made that decision to take the time off, it was great. And then, um, and then right around that time is when I actually learned to meditate. I'd already decided to take three months off, but then I learned to meditate. So then the rest of the year actually was much better. Yeah. And then I got to go have a little, I took a 
a two month trip to France. So anyway, so yeah, so that was burnout was crying and, uh, just inability to handle anything. I felt dead inside. I didn't, I hated coming to work. I didn't like taking care of my patients. I felt like I didn't have anything to give to them. Right. And it's scary. And it's, and, and what you say, even like, you know, road rage and things like that. It's like, I think a lot of us deal with those things and don't realize it should not be that way. Right. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> this is not normal. This is not healthy. This is not sustainable. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So what, um, what about your work? Are you most passionate Oh, um, when people, people learn this, the technique that I teach, um, it's, I call it conscious health meditation, but it's also known as Vedic meditation. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, no one believes me until they do it. And then they're like, oh my God, I'm doing, you know, like when they're actually doing it. And so when, when, when they have, it's on the second day of the class that I really go into detail on the the technique and, Mm -hmm. um, the meditation we do together after that. And then we check in, how was that meditation? And everyone's always like, oh my God, it was amazing. (laughs) And I felt this and this and whatever. And, and the first time someone gives me, um, a benefit, you know, it's the third day of the class and I'm already having this. Um, so that's, that's what I love. People always ask me, do I miss practicing medicine? Yeah. And the answer is no, because I get to do my favorite parts were teaching and making people feel better. And right. I still get to do that with, with, I mean, yes, I have growing a business and all that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't have to deal with any of the other red tape and stuff that I yeah. had to deal with in medicine. So it's documentation it's cool. and yeah, all that, exactly. <laughs> you know, and then yeah, insurance and all that, that fun stuff. How about, um, I'd love to hear some of the background about all the training you went through to teach meditation. So you said you went to India for three months. Right. Yeah. So there's no, there's no like govern governing body for meditation. There's so many different types of them. And so, um, the type I teach, uh, Vedic meditation, the standard for learning is for the most part, a three month um, residential training. Okay. So you have to go and immerse yourself and be there. You don't have to. There are some other programs that go over a year, year and a half, and you kind of do it while you're living your life. No. I was lucky in that I was able to find a way to get three months off with my hospital medicine job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was able to go do that. Um, and it's nice to have it be just your time away where you don't have to deal with anything else. But to, in order to get there, I first, you know, needed to be a consistent meditator. And then there was several prerequisites that I needed to do advanced courses in Vedic knowledge that Mm -hmm. I did over the course of two years preparing for that. Yeah. And then the three month teacher training. And then, and then really all begins then because then you come back and you're like, all right, world, I teach meditation now. Let's do this. And people are like, who are you? And do you have a website? And, yes. you know, so that's like starting a business is mm-hmm. a whole other right, whole other ball of wax. But the, the training to actually teach meditation was probably a two and a half year process. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because coming into medicine, it's like you have patients already there and you show up at a hospital and they're like, okay, here you go. You're, and you're actually inundated. I mean, you probably are overscheduled right. or overbooked. And then it's like, okay, I have all these skills now to teach meditation and I want to practice, but you have to, you know, get your name out there. and Right. Yeah. And everyone's like, mindfulness. You teach mindfulness? No, I don't teach mindfulness. Yeah. <laughs> it's different than that. Yeah. It's awesome, but uh, it's getting the word out there. Yes. And, uh, and that's actually kind of fun in mm-hmm. a way. It's like a new set of skills that I never expected to be developing. And yeah, totally. 
Yeah. Well, in the days of Instagram too, I think it is fun. You know, it's yeah. not like, oh, let me put a paid ad in the newspaper. You know, I right? Mean, exactly. It is exactly. kind of like living life and then showing people how that is. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about the type of meditation that you teach. Sure, sure. Um, so the general philosophy behind it is do less, accomplish more, do least, accomplish most, do nothing, accomplish everything. Hmm. So the less effort you put in, the better you do with it. Hmm. Because what we're trying to do is, so all day long, the stress reaction that we have is is the sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight response. Hmm. And it's got all these hormones, cortisol and adrenaline and norepinephrine. So what we're trying to do is counteract those with the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest mode. And so what we're trying to do is maximize our ability to activate parasympathetic Mm -hmm. so that we can get deep, profound amounts of rest, repair the damage in our body done from stress, and basically change our body's chemistry Mm. from stress chemistry to what we always call bliss chemistry in in my practice. And I always, you know, roll my eyes as the the doctor. I was like, bliss chemistry, that's stupid. But DHEAS and serotonin and dopamine and endorphins, all the stuff, chemicals we've heard of that often people take pills to balance. You can do that on your own uh, with meditation. NPS, I am not suggesting people should not be on antidepressants. I'm a firm believer in whatever it is you need. But um, anyway, so that is why we practice it the way we practice. Um, We sit with our backs uh, supported. We're always comfortable. If you have an itch, you scratch it. If your leg is uncomfortable, you move positions. Um, and it's basically daydreaming. Mm. Um, each student does get a mantra. I do a ceremony on the first day of the class, uh, a Sanskrit sound. And that sound, it works based on the way the sound vibrates in our mind rather than having any meaning. It mm. actually has no meaning. It's like crash or boom or pop mm. sound of nature. And, um, that sound, the vibration of the sound in our mind brings us to our meditative state, which we call transcendence. And that's how the whole thing, that the mantra is what triggers the whole thing. Okay. Um, but the mantra is not the purpose. It's the vehicle to get us to our meditative state. Gotcha. And um, it's basically, I tell people it's like sanctioned daydreaming. Mm-hmm. We use the, the capability of our mind or the tendency of our minds to wander. We use that as part of the meditation rather than as something that we tolerate Um, and so people come to me all the time. I would love to meditate or I've tried, but my mind's too busy. It's too active. I'm too type a, I'm too anxious. My mind's the only one that runs all day and says a bunch of stupid stuff to me that, and everyone thinks they're the only ones because obviously like you, you only live inside your own head. Right. But that is something that is not an obstacle at all in conscious self meditation, which is really cool. So people can do it right off the bat. It's super easy to do. And people are like, Oh my God, this is doable and fun and I'm feeling good about it yeah it sounds like it is so much more accessible too because instead of sitting there like you said in an uncomfortable position you can't move you can't scratch an itch you know you actually have something to focus your mind on that enables you to get to that that state Mm -hmm. yeah that it just sounds awesome yeah it's very I remember when I learned just thinking you've got to be kidding me this is a thing yeah that has been out there it's existed and I have just had my head kind of you know too far up my backside to be aware of it or to look to even know to look for it. Right. But it's real. And right. that's what I just kind of continues to blow my mind is that this is something that little old anxious doctor me, uh, skeptical, yes. could have access to and do and, and love and get the benefits from. Yeah. 
And and then there's the whole topic of, oh, these things that we can, these ways that we can naturally get endorphins and serotonin and all these things released in our bodies to help us feel good without drugs. Again, not mm-hmm. to take the place if someone does really need it, but um, it, that's just so empowering to me. And, yeah. you know, to know that that's possible and it's, you know, it's a thing. So um, what types of things can meditation help with? So like, why, why is it beneficial? Oh my God, there's so many. Um, I'll try not to blather on and on. So on the physical side, um, anything stress-related. Okay. Um, so it can help with um, – it's interesting. I'm not sure if I should share this, and I will, and we can cut it out later. <laughs> but I had some pelvic floor issues when mm. I was younger, and yeah. I didn't know they were stress-related, but at some point realized they were, and that yeah. has completely gone for me. Yes. Um, since you are a pelvic floor mm-hmm. physical therapist, yep. I'm staring at a picture of the female <laughs> reproductive system <laughs> right now. We got genitalia on the wall. Staring at me. <laughs> um, and uh, irritable bowel – um, I had a, a student with irritable bowel. Her symptoms went away on the second day of class and never came back. And they were bad. Like she yeah. was about to go see a gastroenterologist for them. Yeah. Another student of mine um, had really bad neck pain. Mm. And she said about six weeks into her practice, the neck pain went away. She almost didn't even notice yeah. because it just left. And it's just like, oh, I don't have – it's sometimes hard to notice that you don't have things anymore. Yes. Um, so that kind of stuff, um, it helps with, with – uh, overeating and and mm. substance abuse um high blood pressure diabetes because you're get, the cortisol in the body is what makes you stress eat and it's what makes you gain weight and want right. to eat more and so um cutting down on that uh, allows you to make some healthier choices not immediately it, it, it changes for everybody it took me about two years to really start being like my body doesn't want to eat that anymore but yeah. um it, it varies for everybody mm-hmm. and then there's the more uh, emotional or psychological benefits. Better sleep is a huge mm-hmm. one. Less anxiety and depression. Calmer, more re- uh, less reactive. Mm-hmm. The ability to handle things that come at you without freaking out. Uh, yeah. I lost my road rage in three weeks. Wow! Into my practice, and I'm yeah. still an active driver. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like there's commentary and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. but I'm no longer about to lose it. Yes. Um, efficiency. So people always say, eh, there's 20 minutes twice a day. I just don't have the time. You get that time back because you're doing mm-hmm. your meditation and it revives you. And it, the same way people go get coffee at three in the afternoon because they're, you know, in their slump and they're uh. bleary eyed and they can't concentrate. This will actually rejuvenate you um, and revitalize you. And then you function a lot better and can get a lot more done. Yeah. And then there's also all sorts of other stuff, creativity and compassion and empathy and, um, you know, feeling things more strongly Mm because we have stress kind of builds this wall up around us Mm -hmm. so we can kind of access our emotions better. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, I could go on and on and on. There's benefits for kids. um, Yeah, what are those? ADD, Mm -hmm. um, better education, you know, uh, concentration. Yeah. And I think some of the other stuff, more spiritual type stuff, the universe was nothing I ever talked about in my life. But all of a sudden I'm like, the universe brought me this or what, you know, it's sort of, tongue in cheek at first, but you just kind of have this realization that um, synchronicity starts to happen a lot more. Mm-hmm. So there's all these very, very practical benefits, which is what I love about it. It's just science. Yes, It's a stress reduction technique, but then all these other things start to come out of the woodwork and, and bloom in your life. And that, that yeah. for me has been some of the most fun because I was so not like that. Mm-hmm. And just to be like, guess what, Jill? Ha ha. <laughs> the world is like that. <laughs> There's this if whole you other layer. If you can just see it. Yeah. yeah. So, so that part's really fun too. 
Now, is there research, you know, talking about the the doctor and you, is there research with some of these? Or is this just very strong, like anecdotal stories you're hearing time and time again and experiencing yourself of like, like the universe and the synchronicities? I mean, I totally feel that too. So I mean, I'm at that same place. But um, do we have any research? I mean, there must be research at least with like the physical benefits. Like, sure. There's, there's both. Yeah. I mean, there's anecdotal and there's research. So the, the TM organization, Transcendental Meditation, okay. did a ton of research. And my teacher trained with TM for, I don't remember, 20 to 30 years mm-hmm. and then went out on his own and teaches us to teach the same way he taught people within that organization. So okay. we, um, that the scientific data that they accrued with mm-hmm. all their research applies to what I teach as well. Cool. Um, you know, it, it's, it's research on meditation, which is always a little tricky. Yeah. Um, even in the most like unbiased of labs, it's mm-hmm. always a little tricky. Mm-hmm. Plus the, the research, a lot of it was sponsored by the TM organization. So I just always have to put that caveat out there, right. but there's a huge, huge, huge body of research and they've done so much and the results are are pretty profound with that. Yeah. So um, I feel like overall with the with that whole body of research yeah. um, and then my own experience with it, it's not, I, I had a student um, who's teaching a group of doctors last week and she's like, I don't, I don't remember what she said. Like, I don't want to, they were just very skeptical that it yeah. was going to work, which is understandable. Of course, that's how I was too. And I said, you don't have to believe me. Just practice it for three months. Yeah. And then you'll exp- practice it for a week and you'll experience it. It's it's experiential. There's nothing faith-based about it. Right. It's just yeah. do the technique and your body chemistry changes and you feel better. And so yeah. um, that's kind of what I love about it is that, yes, there's this body of knowledge, but then people start meditating and then it's – right. And start I think to open up. Yeah. That has to happen in so many things. Like you can read so many articles about the benefits of exercise, but then you get in the gym and you feel – the blood flowing through your body and it just, it feels good. If you know, like you feel like you can breathe better. You feel like, you know, there's, you just have to live life sometimes and say, okay, I'm going to try this. And when you feel the benefits and say, okay, do I need a study link to that to know that I'm feeling better? Right. You know? Right. So I'm curious what types of people show up in your classes. Do you see, is it the people who are already in touch with themselves and they kind of know that they need meditation and they want your type of meditation or, um, is it like type A personalities or, you know, certain age groups? Like, what are you seeing? I've taught people from age, like like high school. I've, I've taught little kids, but those, they are like students. They're children of students of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a different technique. But in terms of taking my full class, I've taught people age 17 to 70. Nice. Um, I tend to get, this technique tends to work really well for the high achieving crowd, but mm-hmm. it also is great for creatives. Um I tend to just attract probably professional types. Right. Um, But I have some students um, uh, and and there's kind of two categories. There's there's person one who is like, I'm at my wit's end. I am the worst version of myself. Something's got to give. I'm desperate. Right. I need to have something to manage my stress. I'll do anything, including taking this crazy class where there's a ceremony and you're singing in Sanskrit (laughs) and it's expensive and I don't care because I'll do it. And then there's like the other type of person who's like, there's something more in my life and I'm, I'm, I'm tired of looking for it. And Mm -hmm. I feel like there's, I'm, I'm on the cusp of something and I want help finding it. And then I, so those people as well. Nice. Um, 
And I was definitely the former. You know, I was yeah. definitely this the spaz, miserable, <laughs> rock bottom, unhappy person. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, everyone's, it's a continuum. So there's people that have aspects of both of them. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Great. Yeah. Um, what are some common misconce- misconceptions about meditation? Or, I mean, and I know your meditation is, seems like a lot more achievable than other meditations or types of meditation, if I should say that. Um, so either that or misconceptions about just working meditation into your lifestyle. Sure. Um, I think the fact that people think you have to be like back straight, legs crossed, fingers in some funny position. Yes. Uh, in a meadow with a sunset behind you and long flowing golden hair. Like I think people (laughs) think that's what meditation is. Or you have to be in a meditation studio and someone's talking to you about waterfalls and relaxing your body and this and that. Like the guided meditation thing. Um, Mm -hmm. That there has to be crystals and incense and all these different things. And it needs to take like two hours. And it has to take two hours and all these things. And that you have to work at it in order to get good at it and just be patient in a few months, you'll start to feel it. Um, and so what, what I love about what I teach is that we sit comfortably. We're not, people think you're supposed to control the mind Mm. and you, and I I have to say like caveat, I love all meditation. And if it's working for you, I don't try to convert people to my type of meditation. Just stick with what you, with what you love and is working. But most people get frustrated with other types of meditation because they're either not becoming Mm self-sufficient or they're not able to keep their mind focused and their mind wanders as it does and they feel horrible about themselves. So um, the biggest stereotypes is that you should try to clear your mind of thoughts, Mm -hmm. um, that you're supposed to be focusing and that you have to sit in some uncomfortable position. And then there's also, I think, religious people of all religions tend to be a little bit like, what is this? And is this a religion? And is this cer- the ceremony you do? Am I, is, this a, is this a God? Is this Hinduism? Is this whatever? And um, the Vedic Vedic knowledge predates all religion. It's the same body of knowledge that yoga came from. And so I just, I do this ceremony to honor the tradition and to honor my teachers, but it's not religion. So I think people have varying levels of, of uh, notions about that as well. Right. And that's just where they're coming from. And so I, I do my best to try to help people understand what what this how this technique is different from from other ones what can a person expect when they come to see you so thinking of you know you mentioned on the second day of the class and the first day of the class and so how does that how do your classes work sure sure um the first day i do a ceremony it's about five to seven minutes and i always say if you like ceremonies you'll love it because uh because I'm singing in Sanskrit and there's flowers and fruit and incense. Um, and it's kind of lovely. Um, if you do, I always say, if you don't like ceremonies, you'll also love it because it's short and you don't have to do anything. You just watch. Okay. So (laughs) it's, it's the ceremony that's for me. It's not for anyone else. It's like, and I always say it's like the opening ceremonies, Mm -hmm. you know, or like teacher appreciation day when I'm teaching kids, it's just like this technique comes from somewhere. Um, and then, the students at the end of that class do a 15, 15 minute meditation and then they go home and they practice and they kind of still have no idea what they're doing. Cause right. I've just gotten them familiar with their mantras. They go home and they practice and then they come in on day two and we, um, basically talk about their meditation experiences. They all think they've done it wrong, but they've 
actually been doing it right. They just don't know it yet. And then I really go into the nuts and bolts of how you do the technique, how you fit it into your day, Mm -hmm. the timing of it, the best times of day to do it. And we meditate together. And then for day three and four, more of the same, they go home and practice. We come in, we troubleshoot. And then I continually, it's like layers of knowledge. And so Mm -hmm. I review a little bit and then on the third day, I talk all about stress and its effects on our and our physiology and how this technique actually reverses that um, those effects. Mm-hmm. It's not just relaxing in the twenty minutes you're meditating; it's actually scooping out stress scars from our from our body. Yeah. Um, if you think about like if you've heard a song on the radio that reminds you of a breakup, and it, you're like, "Oh God, change the station! I hate this song," and it makes you like. Yeah. sad or you're crying or your heart's pounding it's not the song it's yeah. that memory is is in your body so it's that ingrained. happens to us throughout our lives we accumulate these these stress memories mm. um and then the last day we talk about the long-term benefits of meditation and kind of what life looks like going forward yeah uh, what they can expect and then all the the follow-up and the support they receive from me and from this com- this meditation community yeah. um moving forward yeah it sounds like so when other people teach the classes, is it the same structure? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Because it yeah. seems like it'd be, that's perfect for you as a doctor to teach about like the stress, you know, and parasympathetics versus sympathetics. And I think I like I just dive into that a little bit more possibly. Yeah. I don't remember what it's like to not be teaching it as me because right. it's been over two years. But um, I think I do because I do some a lot of talks on stress physiology. So I try to incorporate as much of that as I can. Yes. Because um, I just think it's so interesting. Then I do attract a lot of doctors. Like they're right. starting to come out of the woodwork now and 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 really see, okay, this is a thing and other people are doing it. And yeah. I want to try it. I can try it. <laughs> and so um, so yeah, but but like any teacher in my tradition, mm-hmm. for the most part, is gonna teach this the four days are gonna do the same ceremony and mm-hmm. we all know how how to do the mantras. Um and uh and then in terms of the con the general content, but we all have our own analogies and our own stories and right. our own sense of humor and stuff like that that yeah. we do. Well, and I think as a professional too, I, I and I can't say I'm a total skeptic, but you know, we have that training, evidence based medicine in our head. And so mm-hmm. I think hearing it from someone who's also had that training and can speak that language and you know, I just think would help with a lot of skeptics out there, especially, right. you know, doctors. And and I can remember the exact moments where I was like, nah, <laughs> yeah, that ain't right. You know, that doesn't sound right to me. And uh-huh. I'll say that. I'll say, I remember when I first heard this, I thought this was crazy. Right. And so like, it's okay if you're feeling skeptical. I want you to, I, like, I encourage that because yeah. I want people to, I love skeptic. I mean, and you have that experience of those patients that really need assistance with their serotonin, with their what you know. And so you right. go to those, and you're like, no way, I could I take that person? You know, instantly you go to those cases. Yeah, and those people that you want to care, you know, for, and, and you're like, oh, but yeah, I, I I totally agree. What resources have you found since becoming a meditation teacher that maybe you share with your students? This is maybe after the classes are done, if they ask you for more resources or good books that you've read that you recommend to people? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say a few things. I think Ayurveda is something that people ask me about a lot. That's the holistic form of nutrition um, that comes from the same body of knowledge that this meditation comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, so people ask a lot about that. Um, I like to recommend, they always, a lot of my students ask me, I want to know more about Vedic meditation. I want to like, yeah. there's not a lot of books out there about this specific type of meditation. So I like to recommend books that are kind of 
consciousness expanding okay. that help people understand the, the universe. So there's a book called E Square by E Squared by Pam Grout that's mm-hmm. basically experiments you can do with the universe to kind of show cool. the, the support of the universe. Yeah. Um, prove it to yourself. Prove it to yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Eckhart Tolle books I think are great for, yeah. for people. Uh, the Power of Now was was particularly profound for me. I have a, a, a book list, a reading list on my website. Okay. Um, and then another thing that I really love, I so when I learned to meditate and when I became a meditation teacher, it was sort of touted to me and I believed that this type of meditation will fix all your problems. Um, if you just meditate long enough, mm-hmm. all the stresses will be gone from your physiology and you're going to be this perfect specimen of humankind. Um, and what I have found is that it's not true. Um, and I, I've, I've become very cautious of, of teaching it that way because I I don't want to, um, I think anytime someone tells you they're going to fix all your problems, you need to run away right. very quickly. And so what I say to people is that this, pre- this practice, 70 to 80% of things in your life will get 70 to 80% better. Some things will get 50% better. Some things will get a hundred percent better. And then there's going to be a host of things like the universe or whatever that kind of bloom and blossom in your life that you didn't even know you were missing. Right. Um, I would say like most things, I wouldn't say things get worse um, in any way, but things do get better, but you will sometimes feel like a little bit raw mm. as you start to like peel back the layers of stress It's like your, your essence of who you are is in there and it's been protected for so long, Oh, right. but there's, there's so much there, but, but there's other resources that I want people to, um, to use. Um, and one thing I love is tapping. I don't know if you know much oh, about that, but EFT, it. um, okay. it's this really great technique that helps it's all about the same physiology, the stress physiology and, and rewiring our potentially stressful reactions to a stimulus mm-hmm. that doesn't need to be stressful anymore. So if you have PTSD um, and a certain thing causes you to be upset, you can tap on it mm-hmm. um, and it resets your physiologic response to that and it mm-hmm. no longer becomes a stressor to you. So I really like doing that in conjunction with mm-hmm meditation and and the meditation really tills the soil makes your brain more receptive to anything else you do right it's going to help you stay on an exercise program better or a nutrition program or reading self-help books anything else you do it's going to take better when you have a meditation practice to help because it's rewiring your stress pathways in your brain right so i think for me tapping is something that i've fairly recently discovered that I think is amazing and I'm learning more about it and practice it myself. And I think it's great. So that's something that I recommend to a lot of people. Is it? Thank you so much. That's amazing. And I'll put all those links in the the show notes too. Um, With the tapping, is it a certain routine or a certain like way you have to tap? Yeah. So it's it's based on the same meridians as acupuncture. Oh, okay. Um, But you're not actually breaking your skin. Um, and so you tap and it's sort of evolved over time. Um, the, the person who kind of first discovered it had these very specific protocols and different protocols for different emotions. And then they discovered this whole routine that kind of works for all of them. Um, so basically you kind of have to identify the emotion or the, whatever it is that you're upset about. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can do it for overeating. You can do it for um, wanting to manifest more money in your life. I mean, there's all these different things yeah. you can do for it. Yeah. The other thing that's cool about it is that we all have these limiting beliefs in our minds that that keep us from success. And maybe it's even fear, rather than fear of failure, maybe even be fear of success. And so there's one little way that you tap to kind of acknowledge that mm-hmm. so that when you go forward, you're not 
sabotaging yourself. Right. And this all sounds a little woo-woo. There's actually pretty great data yeah. about it. Um, and I've experienced some great results and, and know some medical Western doctors and therapists who use it. And then you have a little routine. You start at the top of your head and there's a couple points on your – a few points on your face and then your collarbone and then the side of your uh, chest kind of mm-hmm. under your – like where your bra line is. Um, and you kind of go through there and you have a little script that you say – that's very, it can start, it can, the script is very, it can go from very basic to more complex, yeah. I guess, if you're doing it by yourself or you are doing it with a trained professional. Um, cool. And it just kind of like you go through the cycle a few times and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm just not upset anymore. <laughs> you're like, where did that feeling go? Where did go? that go? Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's kind of how it works. And I'm, I'm fascinated by it yeah. and, and hoping to get some get some training in that as well yeah i'll look into that too because i've seen that a few times in different trainings i've taken and haven't given it too much mind and um like i've seen people look into that for like fertility and Mm -hmm. you know maybe that's their limiting belief they can't get pregnant and so um yeah so i'll I'll definitely look into that some more so how do you find your balance between work life everything running a business (laughs) that's interesting question i so you know uh, this practice has changed a lot about me, but it hasn't changed who I am. Mm-hmm. And at my core, I'm a bit of a workaholic. And I, um, that, you know, I think that you too. <laughs> medicine attracts that type of person. Mm-hmm. And so I have burnt myself out a few times um, since changing careers because my, what was previously my release is my job now. Right. So I think finding balance first off, remembering that I chose this career path and and remembering to find the joy in what I do mm-hmm. rather than feeling like it's some obligation and it's stuff that seems like it's got to happen now or stressing about money or whatever. Mm-hmm. Bad idea. So trying to stay in uh, abundance mentality rather than scarcity mentality in terms of yeah. just knowing that I'm doing everything I can and then kind of letting some of that go. And that's easier said than done. Totally. But I also kind of teach this stuff for a living and do embody it. I hopefully most of the time. And so I can kind of be like, all right, Jill, calm calm it down. You're fine. So for me, like eating well, exercise is, is huge. And then making sure I, you know, I work a lot on weekends because that's when people have time to come take my class. And so making sure I have time for myself and that I'm not overdoing it. Right. But it can be, really easy to get caught up in. I'm an entrepreneur. I have to do everything all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually had a period a few weeks ago where things kind of calmed down for a little bit. And I noticed myself feeling bad, like yes. feeling like shame, I think mm-hmm. was the emotion yeah. because I wasn't constantly having a million things to do. And, but I had last month, I taught my course, I think three times I was involved in a a research project and and teaching a bunch and it was very, very busy. And so I kind of had to realize the ebbs and flows are good and it's, it's nature's way of giving me a bit of a break to, mm-hmm. you know, watch some Netflix mm-hmm. and do whatever. So it, balance has always been a little bit of a problem for me. I, I, I tend to be an overachiever, but um, I'm getting better at it. Yeah. Well, and I think it's our culture too. I mean, like you said, shame, like it's just, we feel badly if we have time to relax and just enjoy it's like, Oh, I'm not working right now. I'm not doing something productive with my time. Yeah. You know, it's, I think that is an art to, and like you said, you practice meditation, you teach it and you live it. And so it just, I think that will help people to know, okay, if she's having difficulty, so that's okay if I am too. Right. Right. And I think there was a while where I felt 
I don't feel like I was faking it, but I felt this pressure to be like absolutely embodying everything that I taught. And for a lot of it, I felt like I was. But then there were some some cracks in the pavement or whatever Mm -hmm. that started to come through um, some stuff in my tradition. Um, You know, all traditions, all spiritual traditions are going to have some stuff. So some of those cracks started to show a little bit and it was really, really kind of scary for me in this big moment of questioning what yeah. I do and and where I come from. And um, I was afraid to talk to anyone about it because I was afraid to be weak and to show weakness. And as soon as I started to talk about it, everyone was like, well, we don't, ex- we certainly don't expect you to be perfect. And I don't care about any other people. cracks or people or whatever. Like we care about what you're doing and what you've taught us and how our lives feel better. And letting people in and letting myself be vulnerable and, and, you know, I still swear and I still have times where I do get burnout. So I think, um, that helps people relate to me a lot more. And, and since I've embraced that, I actually, my, I've been attracting a lot more students. I, I don't know if that's the yeah. exact reason why, but it's sort of all yeah came into, into place a little bit more for me. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So what are some, if we're thinking more generally kind of globally now, what are some symptoms or commonalities that you see most women have these days? So I'm, I'm thinking it's more like general health, like things that almost everyone deals with, you know, with your patients coming in or mm-hmm. just other people you see in your profession or. Um, I mean, I would say there's a lot of irritable bowel is probably one of the most common things. Mm-hmm. The pelvic floor stuff I'm sure is there but people don't talk about that as openly. Um, but definitely GI symptoms. Yes. And and I do some work with people with stress-related health issues. I don't see patients anymore. I'm not practicing medicine anymore, but um, chronic pain is a huge thing. And I like a lot of um, migraines, thyroid stuff is coming out a lot more that turns yeah. out to be um, – stress-related more than they ever teach us in, in medical school, that it's a, that it's not considered to be a stress-related thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and really just digestive stuff, food allergies, intolerances to different foods. Uh, that's, I think, a huge thing. I agree. I mean, I think my viewpoint is skewed because I work with people with digestive sure. stuff and bowel yeah. and bladder and all that. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, we all have constipation and we live with it and we do, you know, but I, I totally agree. Yeah, it's and it's it's people start to obsess about their physical symptoms and which magnifies them a little right. bit, you know. Right. And and I've I've been I don't want to say guilty of the same because there's nothing to be guilty about, but right. I have I've had the same thing happen to me. It's very easy to get into that trap. Right. Um, but it's all stress related, you know, and that's what to me stress is the biggest epidemic, bigger than obesity, bigger than HIV or malaria or whatever, because stress kind of underlies a lot of yeah. that stuff um, yes. and causes the obesity and the substance, you know, there yeah, is everything. It really yeah. stress manifests every, exactly. It's that, you know, body brain connection. Now that we know it's not just, Oh, if you eat Twinkies, you're going to get high blood pressure. No, if you're stressed all the time, you're going to eat Twinkies, you're going to eat Twinkies, <laughs> which will make it worse. But like, exactly. Be, yeah. It's, exactly. Um, so what is something you suggest to your clients to foster good, spiritual health like other than learning meditation and we've kind of talked about this i'm thinking with some of the books you know, sure but. um i think um i recommend for my students once they've learned to meditate to try to expose themselves to some sort of intellectual understanding mm-hmm. or philosophical understanding of of 
a worldview that they like. And I think the Vedic worldview is really awesome. Um, it's, it's very inclusive. It's, we're all one thing. And that one thing is love and consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it, it teaches you to, to not fear things and see things as other. Um, and it works with all religions and at their core, actually all the religions are about that. Right. It's just, it's sometimes, I don't want to offend anybody, but they sometimes tend to get a little bit misconstrued over time. And so, um, there's a, there's a, um, Vedic meditation teacher named Jeff Kober, mm. who, uh, Jeff Kober meditation.com is his website. And he does this daily thought and it doesn't have to be for Vedic meditators. It can be for anybody. Um, and he just kind of goes, he'll take a quote and dissect it a little bit and help mm. reframe the way people see the world. So I recommend that for all my students. I think it's amazing. And I've had some people come to me because they've been reading his emails and now they want to learn to meditate. Yeah. So, um, so that, um, and I think, I think that would probably be one of the main ones, but, but Ayurveda is something I really recommend to people a lot. It helps you understand your own nature mm -hmm. in a way that, um, it's like, oh, that's why my feet are always cold at night. And that's why I can't miss a meal, but my friend or my spouse doesn't mind missing a meal. And it sort of helps my, you helps you understand, um, it's, it's not like a cop out. Oh, I'm this type of body type. Therefore I can act however I want, but it helps me understand why I used to get heartburn and why I would tend towards being a little irritable and mm. my skin is, is reactive, stuff like that. Yes. So I, I think Ayurveda is pretty cool. Whether, I mean, living your life a fully Ayurvedic way is, can be very challenging and overwhelming, but at least having the understanding of the main concepts of it, I think can help people with their health. Yeah. Why salads are really good for some people and maybe not as good. It's not, nutrition isn't one size fits all. Right. And I think maybe like a really good holistic nutritionist mm -hmm. is something super important. Not like, okay, have three proteins a day and eat low fat cheese and like that kind of stuff yeah. is so outdated. Yes. Um, and having people understand really what, how to tune into their body. That's something that I think is also really important. Yeah, I agree. And what inspires you? Ooh. Um, people who are fighting for themselves. Mm. People who are like, you know, going to make them going to make their lives better no matter what it takes. Yes. And, and who are willing to be open to examining themselves and, and making changes and, and growing and learning. Yeah. Hope and commitment. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> now I'd love to hear, I know just a little bit from following you and, you know, social media, but I'd love to hear more about the projects you have going on. Sure, so you've yeah. got like the trip to Mexico, you've got the, yeah, so I want to hear about it all. Yeah. There's so much happening. It's yeah. incredible. Um, uh, okay. So January I'm doing a retreat, a mastery retreat for women physicians called the transformed mastery retreat. Uh, with my colleague from med school. She's kind of a very well-known, she's a social media expert for doctors and she's a public speaker. She's also an entrepreneur and um, has worked in various jobs in medicine, gotten promoted quite quickly, had a very successful academic career. And so we're teaming together to help women physicians who are dissatisfied with their professional lives yeah. to help them tap into what are your values, what is your passion, and um, how can you sort of um, ad adapt what you're doing in your career to match those passions and values so mm -hmm. that you're doing something that fulfills you. 
Because what happens, like for me, when I was freaking out and burning out, oh, do I want another job? Yeah, I could have left Rush and gone to work at Northwestern, but I was the commonality there. I, right. I If I wasn't right with me, if I didn't know what was making me passionate, nothing was going to change. And I had the insight at least to know that at that point. Um, so there's that whole grass is always greener thing. And so what we, the grass is going to – that stops once you realize if you change what you're doing to something that aligns with your passion and your values, then there isn't the grass is always greener because – but it's when people make these changes thinking it's what they want, but not actually tapping into it. Mm. So the meditation is, I think, going to play off really well with some of the other workshops we'll be doing um, to help people tap into their intuition and to get out of survival mode and to really be able to listen to that instinct yeah. that we all have that we, that gets drowned out by that horrible, loud inner critic. Mm. Um, so anyway, and, and then we're doing, we're, you know, we're going to help women – um, explore their limiting beliefs and what is it that holds you back. And, um, and then we're going to do some very, very practical things to help women move forward. So they're not leaving there being like, I'm energized. Yay. Now what? But they're yeah. going to, the now what's already taken care of. We'll be doing that during the retreat. So that's in Mexico. Um, is it a week long or five days? It's or? four nights. Four nights. Nice. It's January 16th to 20th. And we're, we're really excited. We had a great, a great turnout. Um, and, um, and we hope to do something like maybe two retreats a year and mm -hmm. have that become maybe start to work with bigger medical groups and mm -hmm. do maybe not a four night thing in Mexico, but maybe a two day local thing yeah. for these groups. Um, and then the other project is I um, have done a research project teamed up with the Emory Department of Hospital Medicine. And that's the type of medicine I used to practice. That's basically internal medicine, but in the inpatient setting. And um, I taught we did a, a, a stage one feasibility trial. Basically, I taught 13 of their hospitalists to meditate at their St. Joe's branch. Yeah. And we're doing, we're studying uh, like a, this Stanford burnout scale before and after. And then they're, they're going to do a, um, um, a focus group, that kind of stuff. You can't really, it's the study isn't powered to really detect anything. Right. Um, but the idea was, does this work? Did they like the practice where they, did they feel comfortable? And if so, then we can, they have grant money to bring it to, uh, bring it to the rest of their hospitalists Great. at Emory and Grady and uh, Emory Midtown. Nice. Um, so hope, hopefully we'll start getting this type of meditation on the map a little bit more scientifically. Because yep. um, there's a lot of stuff on mindfulness out there, but there haven't been a lot of really good studies with burnout and physicians mm -hmm. and meditation. So that's super, super exciting. That's I mean, it's, it's sort of, I can't imagine anything more exciting right. my dream come true think about, i mean you're in, improving their quality of life and the quality of care to the patients if you yeah. have people that aren't burning out you don't have turnover you do, i mean right that's exciting right and so you know and there's a lot of i the more i'm out there um i do get some pushback from people about you know meditation isn't going to fix burnout burnout's caused by this no burnout's caused by this and if you teach people to meditate, that's just another thing you're putting on the doctors to do. And, you know, it's the system that needs to change. And like, absolutely, the system needs to oh change. My gosh, it's so yes. broken. But I always I always liken it to um, if, if you're in a drowning because there's a hole in the dam. Right. And the hole is like three miles away and yeah. no one's no one's fixing it just yet. Right. It definitely needs to be fixed. But you're drowning right Get then. Get the people out. Exactly. <laughs> and someone has a life raft. Yeah. And they're like, here's a life raft. And you're like, no, no, no fix the dam and then I won't be drowning anymore. This is something that, and That's it's a great analogy. It's way more than a life raft, but it's like, 
even in a perfect system, you're right. still taking care of life and death, death issues. There's still humanity that has broken people and, and worn them down. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's still stuff to deal with. Like yeah. you can't, what does even fixing the system mean? I don't even, and who's doing it. Right. Right. But if you have happier, less stressed, less survival mode doctors and administrators and more creative mm -hmm. trying to think of ways to fix it, yes, it's going to happen a lot better. And so, um, I think there's a big trickle down effect with it mm -hmm. and who knows, can I measure it? Is it going to be measurable in a research study? I have no idea, yeah. but um, so it's a little scary, like, right. okay, this is what I've been like sort of wanting to happen. And yeah. now it's happening. Yes. And so, you know, what if, oh. you know, but it's really, really exciting. Yes. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Thank oh. you. Thank you. It's super, it's, it's really, really cool. And it's, I think I mean, people are like, oh, you did a lot of training just to not be practicing medicine anymore. But I think my training, gotcha. I feel very strongly that my training brought me to this point for right. a reason and right. that I'm this like bridge exactly. or something liaison yes um and that i have a, a platform and mm -hmm. i have a voice that people will listen to more because of my background and i i lived it you know right. i practiced medicine for 10 years it's not like i right. graduated med school which is a, which is cool on its own yes. but it's not like i did that and then never practiced i mean yeah. i've kind of had experience on both sides so you've been in the trenches you didn't i've been you know, like, for sure in the trenches yeah. <laughs> yeah so so many trenches so yeah. um <laughs> So yeah, it's yeah. interesting. And it's, I like hearing, you know, the backlash even, I don't yeah. want to call it backlash. That makes me sound like I'm a bigger deal than I am. But like when I've had, you know, people have had strong reactions, it's mm -hmm. like, I hear it, yeah. you know? And, and I, I do think it's very important that we're not just, I don't think meditation is going to fix all of the woes of healthcare, right? but it's going to help make it a lot more tolerable. I don't want people to leave medicine. I want them yeah. to stay in it and be happy and be the best versions of themselves and help their patients more. Right. So yeah, complicated. That's amazing. I'm I'm so excited for all that. I, Thank oh. you. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Like any other parting thoughts or hmm. tips or words of wisdom? Um, I let me think. I would say um, I would say I mean one thing that that's funny and I always sort of like to address this when I talk to people is why is my course expensive or why does meditation cost money. Oh, right. Um, and, um, I it's funny. I actually was giving a talk and I did some price comparisons. You know, I spent, I went to a spa when I was burnt out in between when I got burnt out and when I learned to meditate, it was a nice spa and it cost me easily $2,500. It was like 400 a night probably. And then the flight and whatever. Um, and I got back a week later, I was burnt out again. Yeah. <laughs> How much money we spend on yeah. you know, personal trainers or whatever, which are great, right. but the stuff that we do. Um, and I always say with meditation, you get what you, what you pay for. There are apps out there that are free. There's guided visualizations. There's all this stuff. And if it's working for you and you're motivated, cool. Um, but what you get when you learn in my tradition is you get a teacher for life. I provide a lifetime of support for my students and it's individualized personal attention mm. with not, I didn't just stay at a holiday and express and poof, I'm an expert. Yes. I, you know, <laughs> I've been meditating for seven years and I did this teacher training and I've been teaching for years. So I think, you know, if you have the free gym in your condo building or apartment building, do you use it? Do you know how to use the equipment? Do you get everything you can from it. Right maybe for a week, I don't know, yeah. you know, and then you don't use it. And so um, I always just like to help people understand that you get, you're giving something of value in exchange for something of value. And traditionally, it's a week's earnings, mm -hmm. um, which I did pay when I learned it, what I charge is 
much less than what my week's earnings was at the time. But, Mm -hmm. um, and I have rates for students and I have rates for teachers and first responders and veterans and police officers and clergy. So I do my best to tier it, to make it, um, accessible for people. But if you don't pay for something, you're not going to value it and you're not going to do it. And so, and that's actually interestingly, one of the things with this, with this research study I'm doing is the doctors who signed up, like they're taking a huge leap. This isn't something that they looked for, but they're they're also, they're not paying me. Their department is paying me. Uh, And so it's just, that's also an interesting change or difference between my normal classes is, you know, will they stay as committed to it? Who knows? I hope so. Um, They've all done amazing in the class, but. Have they been um, committed? Like, are they doing the meditations 20 minutes, twice a day? I don't know. So they have, they're using an app um, that is tracking it and then they submit it every month. Okay. Um, And so I won't know that information until, unless they text me and say, I've been doing it and it's great. Um, So it's just, you know, but, but humans are humans. It's not, it's not to say that all of my other students do it 20 minutes twice a day perfectly because they paid me, you know, everyone's. Right. different about building new habits. So um, anyway, so I like to bring that up because people are like, but it's, you know, and, and I had to kind of get over that myself. It's part of, I think, women, yes. particularly like n- knowing their worth and what they have to offer. And, um, and I mean, I paid twice as much as what I charge for it. And I would have paid four times that amount had yes. I known. Yes. Uh, cause it, it's that awesome. So Your future self looks back and is like, Oh my God, it was so worth it. Totally. So, but, you know, people have to take that leap and totally. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it's so that it's just something that I, that I like to, uh, address a little bit because some people do have questions about that. Yeah. Um, but I think that might be it. I don't know if there's yeah. other, well, how, what is the best way for people to contact you if they'd like to learn more or work with you? So I have, um, what I offer on my, so my website is jillweener.com and it's spelled W E N E R. So J I L L W E N E R.com. Um, and I offer a free 30 minute one-on-one meditation consultation with people who are interested. And so you can just sign up for that on my website. It'll send me a message and then I'll reach out and we can find a time. Um, and, and that's when people find out, you know, is this type of meditation the right thing for me? I can answer some questions. Um, there's zero commitments at all. Um, and then I'm on Instagram, of course, conscious health ATL and I'm on Twitter. I don't do too much with that. Um, so I'd say Instagram is probably the best place, um, other than my website. Okay. Excellent. Well, I appreciate your time and all your knowledge and all that you were doing. I am so excited and I just I thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. And I love I love being a part of this project with you. I love your message. And it's it's good getting to uh, the universe sort of brought us together, the two of us in a, in a really cool way also. So it's it's nice that we've gotten to yeah. to work together on an ongoing basis. Well, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check back in two weeks. I will be speaking with certified financial planner, Liz Thomas. She is going to share a lot of knowledge with us, some of which is how to foster good financial health. Take care.